Hey everyone, and welcome to the Renew Your Mind podcast for faith-driven entrepreneurs. I am your host, Kieran Lenahan. If you are brand new here, welcome. You are joining us 76 episodes into this podcast, and I would just highly encourage you to head back to the beginning of the podcast, scroll through each of the different episodes, and look at the ones that you think might be relevant for you and where you are. There's a ton of great episodes and would highly encourage you to head back and listen. I am a business coach, and I'm here to serve entrepreneurs. I help them grow their businesses and then flourish as human beings in the process. And so I do that in three different ways. One is right here on the podcast. The second is through one-on-one coaching, where we dive into the nitty-gritty of you as an entrepreneur and the nitty-gritty of your specific business. And then I also run the Oasis, and that's the third way that I serve entrepreneurs, which is a group coaching and community which I talked about in detail in episode 66. So today, I want to get into this. It's going to be a little bit different. Typically on this podcast, we tend to oscillate between zooming in to really specific topics or thought patterns or aspects of your business, and others, like at the end of a calendar year, for example, we tend to zoom out to see the bigger picture direction of your business as a whole and think not day-to-day, and think month to month, quarter to quarter, year to year. Today, what we're going to do is zoom all the way out. Even beyond business, we're zooming out all the way to life itself. This is something that I personally think that is just a great habit to get into at least once a year, is to get out of your day-to-day perspective and your year-to-year perspective and to think about your whole life and even to gain eternal perspective. And so today, I want to talk briefly through the lens of two of Stephen Covey's habits from his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, probably one of the most popular books that has ever been written. Now, obviously, he writes about seven habits, but today I want to touch on habits number two, which is begin with the end in mind, and habit number three, which is to put first things first. And then I want to end with a specific exercise that's a modification of something that Stephen Covey talks about in his book. And this is an exercise that you're going to be able to do, spend some time alone with yourself, spend some time inviting God into this, and engage with your deepest values and what is most important to you. One of the things that, and this is a simple concept, a simple idea, what this exercise gets at. But what it helps you do is avoid something monumental, which I think a lot of people, if we look around just at the average person who doesn't follow Jesus, what they're doing, kind of a picture of what their life is looking like currently, and it's of rowing in the wrong direction or climbing up the wrong ladder. I'm sure you've seen some of those comics or some of those drawings and illustrations of somebody who's climbing up a ladder, spending a ton of effort, they're succeeding, climbing up the ladder, and then when they get to the top, they realize I'm not even on the right ladder. And so what this exercise will help you do is to just now, before you get to the end of your life, to give you the perspective that will help you live in alignment with what your actual values are and what you actually believe is important. And so here's our agenda for today. First, I want to just start off with a couple, two scriptures, one from the Psalms and one from James. Then I want to talk about a little bit of what sparked this episode for me. Why are we doing this? Why are we zooming out all the way to the life perspective? 
And then I want to briefly describe Stephen Covey's habits numbers two and numbers three, and then just walk you through the exercise that you may have heard of, which is called the eulogy exercise. So first, let's start with scripture. The first one from Psalm 90 verse 12 says, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. And then in James chapter four, verse 14, it says, what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. And I know other translations, I think, use the word vapor. This idea of being a mist and a vapor. Our lives, and this is not meant to be sad or morbid, but sobering. If you are really fortunate, you'll get about 80 years on this earth. How much of that have you already lived? Right? Think about your age. Have you already lived a quarter of that, a third, a half? three quarters of that 80 years, if we're fortunate. Again, not trying to be a downer or anything like that, but this is real. This is reality. Time is the only thing that we cannot get more of, which leads me to just a few things that sparked this episode over the past couple of weeks, couple of months for me. So first, I was just catching up with a friend and I was asking him how work was going and he was sharing with me that there's somebody that he knows that he works with who was just diagnosed with brain cancer and has already lived two days past the 90-day timeline that his doctors gave him. And even just the thought of that, this person who's living and their, their sense of their days being numbered, their sense that they are a mist, a vapor, that they're here today, but they may not be here tomorrow, is just sobering. And hearing and just having this conversation with my friend and the person that he works with who was just diagnosed with brain cancer isn't a believer, but my friend had the opportunity to pray with him and pray for him multiple times and to share, to share Jesus with him. And in so many ways, just having this conversation and my friend sharing about this experience brought so much perspective. The second thing that sparked this episode and sparked my mind going down this path of thinking was what happened. So last weekend, for the first time in years, I had visited my high school because my mom, who started teaching there shortly after I graduated high school, was being presented with an award for her dedication to the students and to the community. Now, the high school that I went to, it would be an understatement to say that it was a unique place. There's no high school like it. There's a whole 60 minutes bit on uh, or feature about my high school and just the unorthodox ways that they do things and engage this idea of education. That's a whole different topic for a different conversation. But if you're interested in it, check it out. And so the the school that I went to is called St. Benedict's Prep, which is a private all-boys high school on the grounds of a Benedictine monastery in the heart of Newark, New Jersey. Which, first of all, being on the grounds of a monastery where I basically lived for four years of my life, now at the point where I'm at, in my faith, it was just a really special experience. When I was in high school, I chose to go to high school there, not because it was on the grounds of a monastery, surprisingly. I went there because they had the best soccer team in the country and I wanted to play there. But being there, really full circle moment, got to bring our son Christopher there, which is really special, and be there for my mom being honored. But one of the things that I had the chance to do was to catch up with the headmaster, who is one of the monks. Uh, he is been highly influential in my life, and he's now 77 years old. And he was sharing how his perspective 
has changed as he's gotten closer to the end of his life. Because I was curious, I was asking him, one, how's your spirit? He's been a headmaster there for 50 years. He's been in the game for a really long time. But I was also asking him, what do you, what do you think about these days? What is most on your mind? And so he's sharing his perspective on how things have changed the closer he's gotten to the end of his life. And he said, look, every priority starts to fall away and you realize that what really matters and that all you want to do is love people better. And we talked about how throughout history and the history of the church in particular, people, often monks, would use images of skulls and other objects as a way to keep death before them, as a way to keep death in front of their face for them to stay aware of it. And they were actually objects of spiritual contemplation, right? They were images that helped the monks and helped people remember their mortality, remember Christ's victory over death, and ultimately that this earth, at least in its current form, is not our permanent home. And so that conversation and hearing how his perspective has changed the closer he's gotten to the end of his life, again, was just kind of stirring this within me. And then lastly, to be honest, what also sparked this episode, our family has had a rough past uh, past few months. And I shared this with my email community earlier today. Over the past weekend, at the time of this recording, my wife just finished having a miscarriage. Uh, The miscarriage lasted about two months long, which is about four times as long as the average. And basically the whole time we were under the impression that it should be over within the next one to two weeks. And then every doctor's appointment we would go to would be one more week, one more week, one more week. Okay, we're going to have to try this medication. We're going to have to try this procedure. And it was rough. A lot of doctor's appointments, a lot of grief, a lot of waiting, uh, being in limbo, sadness, more doctor's appointments. And now, now that it's finally over and we feel like we can finally exhale, But as you can imagine, when you, your spouse, your family is going through something like that, your priorities tend to come into focus, or at least you certainly want them to, right? For example, your priorities between work and family, right? Often those are two of the three biggest priorities that people tend to have. That's, for me, that's the case, right? It's God, it's family, and it's work. To be honest, early on after we found out about the loss, Uh, around the start of February, I didn't prioritize the way that I would have wanted to. I found myself putting work ahead of family. And part of it was that was how I was personally coping. It felt easier in some ways to distract myself with work and temporarily just escape some of the emotions. But after a few weeks, I realized what was happening and I was able to correct it. And so over the past couple of months, I've canceled meetings to go to doctor's appointments sacrifice work time just to extend mornings with the family. I stopped sending out the weekly emails. And depending on how Dana was doing, trying to give her a break from our two toddlers who don't just all of a sudden become less needy when you're going through something hard. And what I learned is that you will never regret living in alignment with your priorities, with your values, right? Which for me, again, it's going to be God, family, and work in that order. And so sacrificing time at work to be with Dana, with the kids more in this season probably hurt the business financially, but it's something that I will never, ever regret. 
And so each of these conversations and these experiences have just had me thinking about, okay, what are the things that I value the most? What are my true priorities? And as easily and as quickly as I can answer that question of what are they, taking a look and soberly and objectively evaluating okay, what does my schedule, my time, my bank account look like? And would that confirm what I would state are my priorities, right? There's this quote from Vance Havner, uh, I believe from the, the 1800s, which is, it's so good. And he says, how you live is what you believe. Everything else is just talk. And so what I want to do with the rest of our time is to talk about these two habits of Stephen Covey's that he talks about in his book and help you understand what are your true priorities. And we're going to do that through the the perspective of writing a eulogy. And then I'll also give you questions to ask to then let that lead into how am I doing right now? What needs to change? What do I want to change in order to actually live in alignment with that perspective that I just gained? So let's go ahead and talk about Stephen Covey's two habits, beginning with the end in mind and put first things first. These are radically simple ideas, right? But they're incredibly difficult to do, which is often the case. Often the things that I'm talking about on this podcast are simple ideas that can change everything for you that are just really difficult to do and to do consistently, especially today when we can be so easily distracted from what really matters. And so the the habit of beginning with the end in mind is the life-sized equivalent of putting the destination in the GPS before leaving for a trip, right? This goes hand in hand with the other habit of putting first things first. And so quick example, before you play basketball for the first time, of course, you would want to learn the rules of basketball. You'd want to know what the boundaries were, what was allowed, what was not, but you would primarily want to know how success in basketball is measured. You want to know the purpose of the game, which is to put the ball in the hoop and score more points than your opponent. In the same way, it would make sense that before you continue on living your life, running your business, raising your family, to be really crystal clear on what your measures of success are. And so that's what this idea of beginning with the end in mind is all about. It's knowing what your measures of success are, knowing what the purpose of this thing called life is. And so the natural question that comes up is, okay, well, what is the end that we're talking about here? Well, we're going to be talking about a eulogy. The end that we're talking about here is death, right? Of course, death is and it isn't the end, but you know what I mean. Through the lens of death, by thinking soberly about mortality, again, think about the monk's meditating, contemplating on the idea of a skull and our mortality, and specifically through the lens of our own funeral, it's going to help us bring into focus the most important things, which is that second habit that we're talking about, which is to put first things first. Now, the idea of that you hear all the time, the cliche of live every day as if it's your last, I always found that idea to be incredibly unhelpful. Because when you think out the implications of that, if you truly knew that today was your last day, I'm probably not going to be doing generally responsible things like work and doing laundry and the dishes. That's not how I'm going to spend my time. But I think that the idea, the spirit of this idea of living every day as if it's your last, the spirit of the idea has merit. 
And so I think maybe something more like live every day in light of your last day, live every day with the perspective that you will have on your last day of life. And that's why I think that this exercise that we're about to walk through is so valuable because it actually takes that cliche that's often unhelpful and turns it into something that can be incredibly helpful to help you make decisions today in light of your perspective on your last day without you needing it to actually be your last day, without you having to be on your deathbed in order to gain access to this perspective and be able to articulate it. And so here it is. The the exercise that we're going to do, and we'll wrap up the episode with this, is that you are going to write your own eulogy. Now, a eulogy is a speech that's given at a memorial service for somebody who has died. And this is something that Stephen Covey talks about in his book. And here's one of the quotes from him about this. He says, if you carefully consider what you wanted to be said of you in the funeral experience, you will find your definition of success. And what I love most about this exercise is that it exposes the gap. It exposes the dissonance that lies between what we want people to say about us on our funeral day and how we actually live our day-to-day lives. This is just one of those exercises that illuminates this stuff. It brings it to your face and it's up to you. If you if you actually wanna get something from this exercise, you have to come to it almost ready and willing to be, to be convicted, willing to look at the places where there are dissonance and ready to make changes moving forward. So here's how it works. And I'm gonna have a link in the show notes that has these prompts. So you don't have to write them down. You don't have to memorize them. You can just go to the link in the show notes and it'll have all of these questions that I'm about to walk through. The more, again, the more you engage your imagination and truly take your mind here to, to engage in this eulogy exercise to imagine your own funeral, the more you're gonna get out of this exercise. So here we go. I want you to imagine, imagine that you're meeting with all of your family members, all of your friends for the funeral, to your knowledge, of a person that you all knew. But it turns out that that person is actually you. And instead of actually being one of the people attending, you get to be a fly on the wall at your own wake, your own funeral service. And so everybody is coming to share about you. Everybody's coming to honor you and your memory and to be there for your loved ones. And so during the ceremony, there are four people who are going to speak about you. The first is your spouse or a close family member. The second is somebody younger that you've poured into. Maybe it's your children, if you have children. Maybe it's a niece or a nephew or somebody that you've mentored. Maybe it's a spiritual brother or sister or son or daughter. Somebody younger that you have poured into. The third person is a dear friend, one of your best friends. And the fourth person that's going to speak is a work colleague. And this could be an employee, it could be a teammate, a business partner, a client. And what they do is they share with others all of the things that they remember about you. And so your job as you write this eulogy is to think deeply and answer these questions. What would you like each of these people to say about you and to say about your life? Which values and character traits do you want to be remembered for? What contribution do you want to be remembered for? And what difference would you like to have made in those people's lives? And then we'll take it a step further. After you've answered those questions, you're going to imagine that you see Jesus in the flesh walk into the building. 
And after those four people have had their chance to speak, it's Jesus's turn. And so the first question, what do you want Jesus to say about you as he reflects on the way that you lived your life? What do you want Jesus to say about your love for others, about how you shared Jesus with other people? What do you want Jesus to say about your own relationship with him? There's no specific format that your eulogy needs to follow. It can be a a set of paragraphs. It could be a page full of bullet points that answer each of these questions. You could break it down by each of those four people that speak plus Jesus and how you would answer those different questions for each of those people. There's no right or wrong way to write your own eulogy. It could be like a story or a poem. The point of this exercise is not to get it right. The point of the exercise is to do it. And then after you've written your eulogy, consider these questions. And again, this will be in the link that's in the show notes. What changes do you want to make to how you're living your life right now? What changes, if any, do you want to make to the present or future of your business and the way that you interact with your business, the hours that you work, the way that you work, the people that you work with, the type of business that it is? There's a lot here. What changes do you want to make to the present or future of your business? And then lastly, as you reflect on your eulogy, what do you sense God is saying to you? What do you sense he's shining the light on and inviting you to make some changes around? The things that we are consumed with on a day-to-day basis can often be completely different than what this exercise shows us is most important to us. And that dissonance, that gap that I talked about earlier, that should feel convicting. It should make us a little bit uncomfortable. It should bring up some, ooh, like that doesn't feel good to notice that I'm not living in alignment with what I say is most important to me. And let that drive us to make changes. That is all for today. I hope that you carve out some unhurried and undistracted time to really sit down and do this exercise. Let it help you start with the end in mind. Let it help you put first things first. Again, you can do it while replaying this episode and listening along, or you can go to lenahancoaching.com slash eulogy, and the prompts will be there for you. That link, again, will be in the show notes. That is all for today. I hope that this exercise serves you. I hope that you get something from it. I hope that you do it. I hope that you really take the time to zoom out beyond just this year, beyond even just your business and think about your life and where all the pieces fit in. That's all for today. I hope you have a great rest of your week and I will talk to you next time on the Renew Your Mind podcast. 